Even the moon is a black woman. She knew new in gold chains, lets the dark envelop her. Shimmers in sky so black, you only see her adornment. Stare and wonder at this renewal. This naked body willing to take the night hostage. With that, we invite you in. Let this guide you. And welcome to Which Witch Are You? A podcast where two black mystics explore gender, sexuality, and all the magic that is within the queer body. I'm Ayesha. Here with his magnanimous, spectacular. Oh. Yes. I'm, I'm, I really want to see back of my head. Illustrious can't not do it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I um, am joined by the Mirage. I'm going to make up a word. The Miraginous. The <laughs> the metamorphing, magical, and mystical. <laughs> my Shemansen. Today, uh, my blue sun moon rising. I am feeling a shot of rye in it for my sun. A hurricane from my wait. Can we just pause and talk about how you had to get a hella fancy and put your shot in a coop? <laughs> that was my nightcap yesterday, and I'm sticking by it. <laughs> I find this <laughs> hilarious. I'm wow, wow! You really got fancy on putting your shot into this. Coop. <laughs> I'm here for it, Maisha. You know, you just got a fancy ass son today. Great. Sometimes, I mean, when my son not fancy, my son is usually fancy. You're right. You're right. Hurricane for a moon, and then my rising is a liter of red wine, but it's poured into a nice glass, so it's classy. <laughs> Are you planning to drink the entire liter, or is it just like the slow work through the liter over liter time? But it's so here's the thing: a liter of red wine is a is a lot of red wine, and it doesn't look like a lot of red wine until you pour a glass. Uh huh. It's exciting and also daunting because <laughs> you're like, I didn't drink none of this. <laughs> none of this, and also I'm like, for twenty dollars, I'm still pretty stoked. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. $25. Solid. For a liter of water. I'm in support. Okay, so here's where I really am stuck up. They had, there are things that will get me in buying, to buy stuff. Okay. Unconventional bottles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well That's designed. That's a whole mood. Well designed labels. Ooh, it was an yeah. unconventional bottle because it was a liter, but it didn't have a cork. Instead, had a bottle cap. Which is not a good sign for a wine. Actually, I don't know if it's not is or is not right. I just wanted it because I'm like, cork trees are going extinct. Give me that. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Pause. Corks come from a specific type of tree? Yeah. What? People have been chopping down these trees just to make corks? Mm-hmm. 
Oh my god. I am. Wow. I had no idea. I didn't know where Cork came from. I was just like, I don't know. It's this spongy, weird thing. I figured it was a plastic byproduct. <laughs> <laughs> like everything else. The only the bark gets harvested. Look at that. And the bark will regenerate every however many years. That's every nine years. Great. But like, this doesn't tell me the actual effects. Great. They're still fine. Okay. The rise of great. alternative wine cl- closures like screw tops, faux cork, plastic, etc. has certainly created less demand for real corks. Obviously using blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. But Fancy glass fine. cork. Fancy glass cork for your rose with the rose on the bottom. Yeah. Great. Cork trees are fine. Redact that other state. Cool. Okay. Great. I'm glad that they're fine. I was going to be really in a panic about the amount of wine that I drink and the number of corks that I don't save anywhere. They go into the compost, hoping that cork is compostable. I don't actually know. Because it's a tree. Perfect. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's my turn. (laughs) Today, I am a hibiscus margarita sun and a grape Kool-Aid and Sprite moon. Turn around. I hate it. No, I have to. It doesn't necessarily have to be adult grape Kool-Aid and Sprite, but I definitely... All Kool-Aid is Kool-Aid. But I just... I kind of need an adult juice box today. Like, my inner Fifi's need grape Kool-Aid, Sprite, and maybe a shot of Bellevue, you know? (laughs) That's how I'm feeling, okay? (laughs) I want to feel like a kid with an adult juice box. That's what I want, because my inner... Chinese are just like, this is hella whack. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right. Grape Kool-Aid and Sprite. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> All juice boxes that you consume as an adult are officially adult juice boxes. I mean, okay. But I mean adult juice boxes and then I can't give it to a five-year-old. <laughs> Again, all juice <laughs> boxes as an adult. You put a straw in it and call it a juice box. the same as Okay. I surrender. In my juicy juice now. <laughs> in the apple juicy juice? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I am a rose poured into an Olivia Pope red wine glass horizon because it's so good. You just hold it with both hands and you sip. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. <laughs> One thing I really, really valued about her life. That's actually the only thing I valued about her life is that her, her wine glasses and popcorn. She was like, this is dinner. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and I value that there was always a solution to something, even if she created the problem. But there are always horrible problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And also, at least she figured it out. Where do we get you an Olivia Pope wine glass? And how do we get you a... Uh... Uh, an adult juice box. Yo. I'll let you drink your good Kool-Aid and Sprite. I don't know if I'm going to that, but you need that to help you. <laughs> I got you. Thank you. I think I'm just going to actually 
um, figure out how to make some semblance of grape Kool-Aid that's not actually Kool-Aid. Because I just, I feel like my stomach is going to be so mad if I actually drink grape Kool-Aid. That's a lot of sugar. Yeah, so I got to figure out another way around it. Maybe grape juice? Yeah, just have some grape juice. It's got to be like Concord grape juice, though. Yeah, it's uh, fall. It's Concord grape season. I'm hell about to get some grape juice. <laughs> uh, you can send me Olivia Pope wine glasses via Crate and Barrel. It's the only place that I have found that carries the ginormous glasses. Do you have some? I do. I do. Like That's, how many ounces yeah. of wine does it hold? I don't actually know. Let's investigate. Hold on. Oh my god, this is a 23 ounce glass. What the what? <laughs> yes. Dreams. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> so much wine. Have you ever filled it even? Oh my gosh, halfway? <laughs> yeah, I've never filled it to the top because I, I would That's just watch the bottle. I know, but I just watched the bottle get lower and I'm like, okay, maybe that's enough. Even halfway in the glass, it's still like 12 ounces. Yeah, now we know how much wine at rose I consume it at one time. Great, great. Or glass. <laughs> wow, I feel a little ashamed of myself. It's fine. Well, you feel proud. <laughs> and still because you have such economical. And ergonomical glasses. You know, they're pretty. Oh my god, Winter tried to hump another dog today. Wait, what? She met an 11 week old puppy and. Dominant! <laughs> Dominant! I know, and the puppy like climbed She's on her and like licked her face. <laughs> She's 14. Oh, to the. Uh, AKC says. AKC says she's 15 weeks, but I didn't count. Maybe she's 15 weeks. Hold on. Let me look. Wait, so what happened with this puppy? She was born. One, two, three, four. I'm about to tell you. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Eleven, twelve, thirteen. She is fifteen weeks. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so she met this eleven week old puppy. And um the owner is just like, I don't know regular white dude with no draws on in sweatpants that has probably been in for the past like seven days and i'm like oh what kind of puppy do you have and he's like oh it's like a poodle mix um and he's really really cute and fluffy and small um but at 11 weeks he's probably like five pounds no so small he's like five six pounds she's probably seven or eight at this point having fun doing tiny dogs exactly and so the puppy like came up to her he was like do you mind and i was like oh yeah it's fine um and so i i make her sit down before she meets another dog because she's feisty okay she will like put the paws on any dog she doesn't care how big she doesn't care how small she'd be like Wow. <laughs> she's a the so I was like sit down have a seat and so she sat down and uh, she this puppy like goes up to her sniffs her and like licks her face and she's like looking at him like did you just look my face me 
It's like, oh my God, winter. And then she's like, I mean, okay, whatever. She like moves her head out of the way, moves her head out of the way. And she like circles the puppy. And then she's like, okay, it's fine. The puppy sniffs her butt. And she's like, all right, it's fine. And then she like does her like, I want to play pose where she like mm-hmm. lowers her paws onto the ground and is like, yeah, I got it. I'm going to pounce. And then <laughs> she decides because the puppy like slides underneath her nose. She decides that she's going to climb on top of this puppy. And I was like, puppy, no, ma'am. I was like, come here. <laughs> she's like, huh? <laughs> it's like, Come here. She's like, okay. So she like walks over. I was like, sit down. So she sits down and I was like, uh-huh, stay there. And she just stays there until the puppy's like done whimpering and like whining about me not letting her play with them. Because like you can't just randomly hump dogs. Winter. You're Dog so feisty. <laughs> Tell all the other dogs yeah. that no one fucks around. <laughs> right. Like, She's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> right? She's like, I ain't nobody's bitch. Get out of here. <laughs> anyway. My that's dog's also saying. humped social status for anxiety for all sorts of things but she can't just go humping 11 week puppies no it's fucked up <laughs> right i'm like yes we know that you're older than this puppy calm down because <laughs> she's not that way with like dogs that are older and bigger than her. her i mean she did great you know she did a great mount and I was like, no, ma'am. <laughs> but other, like, dogs bigger than her, she's like, no, I lose. I quit. I mean, she will still put the paws on a dog that's bigger than her because she really does not give a fuck. But she will do it and then back all the way up. Like, do the reverse. <laughs> like, she'll be like, whap, whap. And then like, back all the way up. Like, what, you trying to come get some? <laughs> she's so much. So much. But it takes her like at least three walks to get like her personality out. The morning 7.30 a.m. walk, she's like, this is whack. Nigga, it's cold. (laughs) So she just sits at my feet like. (sighs) I'd be like, but I really need you to pee and not on my floor. Thank you. Please. Anyway, puppy story. Sorry, I'm done. I'm done with the puppy story. Oh, yeah. I am aware. I'm aware. She's such a big head. How often does she topple over? Uh, She doesn't topple over too often. She did bust her head the other day, though, and it was real scary. (laughs) (laughs) It was terrifying. I was like, because I heard it go whack on the floor, and I was like, fuck. (laughs) So, yeah, that was... You're doing great. New pup parent. Week one. It's been one week. It's been one whole week. One whole week. How are you feeling? I mean, fine. She's hella fucking cute. Every morning I get up and be like, look at your cute little fangs. I'm like, all right, let's go outside. (laughs) Tired of getting up early yet? Uh, yes. I am definitely tired of getting Sunday. I just didn't do it. I was like, well, there's a puppy pad. I'm going to stay here until nine. And she was fine. She was just like, oh, okay, well, well, I'm going to use this bad. And when you're ready, <laughs> she went back to sleep. Yeah. She was dead ass sleep when I got up at nine. Like, huh? What? Oh, are we going outside now? Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> she was fine. Oh, well, nice day. 
I know, but she's the cutest monster. <sighs> anyway, puppy stories. That was also a long delay in what we're actually supposed to be talking about. What's this poem about? <laughs> uh, I wrote this poem because um, I noticed that the moon, uh, I mean, when it's a new moon, the moon is, is black, basically. Um, and I wanted to talk about like the brilliance of a new moon and the beginnings and the ways in which black women create new beginnings in a lot of spaces. Um, and it also brought up for me a lot of, um, making something out of nothing, which is something that I would love, you know, for that not to be a part of the culture any longer, but the new moon is really like potential. And I wanted to highlight the ways in which, um, the black woman creates potential, the black witch creates potential, um, and how we can harness the power of the moon at any given time to really like manifest things that we're working with. So yeah, here it is. <laughs> this is only part of the poem, but there's more. Yeah, it's all poem, but and you're That's not going to share it with us as I yeah, sit no. here mouth agape no. at the existence of more poems? <gasps> no. Wow. here at this podcast that we do together or <laughs> <laughs> any of the poetry things we do together <laughs> those things because literally you know the audience could catch us basically anytime any of the fucking events <laughs> any of the fucking events which i really appreciate about our relationship i do <laughs> I think it's nice too, but you know. I like it. Also, I'm very excited. I get a double dose of you and Coco so soon. Oh my god. I need to hug another human being like ASAP. <laughs> Literally need to hug another human being ASAP. You're gonna have so much hug there for you. Oh my god. I hope so. So for which bitch today? <laughs> I love that that was such <laughs> I did it. That's a long way around. It was smooth as fuck. We good. walked all the way around for a glass of water, but we're here now, drinking from the fountain. Yes, of which bitch. And for which bitch today, we're talking about polyamory. Why is there a question? It's polyamory. That's what the Google Docs says. There's a question mark, but I don't know. <laughs> polyamory. Because I, like, I, uh, I was like, I don't know. Are we going to talk about this or not? Nah? magic of polyamory. We got it back. For which bitch today we're right. talking about the magic of polyamory. No question mark is a fact. Facts. Here we go. You saw me with this nose goes first. <laughs> <laughs> Podcast rules. Like, nose no. goes a valid way of starting conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, the magic of polyamory. Okay. 
I can only speak from my own experience. So I'm going to like lead with that. And per usual on any subject, I do not claim to be an expert of anything because we're all learning and growing and, you know, doing the things. So I guess let's start with the definition. <laughs> uh, for me, polyamory is uh, literally about loving many, uh, about having depth of connection with folks or connecting to multiple people. And however you define connection, that's that's on you. I am a believer that, you know, friendships count as polyamorous relationships. Any relationship can technically be in a polyamorous structure. I think that uh, lately it has been used as a, as a way for uh, queer folks to categorize their non-monogamy. Um, and I don't know. I have thoughts about using non-monogamous as the umbrella term versus polyamory because I... I, I I guess because non-monogamous just sounds gross coming out of my mouth, so I don't <laughs> use it. It's an ugly word. Like so I like, I am I don't like all of the, the, um, the but it's so much smoother than non-monogamy. The the amount of well, ends in non-monogamy. <laughs> There's so many ends, and I just don't want it in my mouth. So that's really literally the only reason why I identify as polyamorous versus non-monogamous. I mean, and that's probably really telling, but legit, the truth right here, folks. Yeah, you want, I, you it, want all these ends in your mouth, I get it. I know, it's an ugly-ass word. Wow. <laughs> but I'm sure there's some science and there's some actual definition behind this, Maisha. Would you like to enlighten the people with the facts versus yeah, my, I just don't come, want the word in my mouth? I show up sometimes with a fact, right? Does that mean I have all the facts? That's not true. I'm not going to lie to myself. I mean, you have most I of the facts. Right? Although I don't claim to be an expert on all things, I feel like I'm an expert on most things. I'm. You kind of are. Like research. <laughs> I mean, let's go. That's what we're here for. Yeah, but the research is stupid. The research is stupid. Well, then I'm going to show you a graph. Mm-hmm. Or like a fucking infographic, I think. Can we also talk about ne- ethically non-monogamous for two seconds? There is no such thing as non-ethically Let's talk not, about that's it. That's not what actually what you mean. You just mean cheating. <sighs> people just say that. When you're saying you're, oh, yes. So you're you're not ethically now, so then people don't know which would be harmful. You're inflicting harm. Womp womp. Okay. Um, so I've got this. This graph is nonsense. <laughs> right? It's, there are so many intersections, which is why I. Which so We got graphs now. We got fucking graphs. So this is like a graph that I saw that categorizes lots of things under non-monogamy and non-monogamy being an umbrella term again ugly ass word so <laughs> there is a I lot mean, of ends and right ends, so is sounds for the sake of the conversation is polyamory non-monogamy or is it just a subsect of non-monogamy what's unicorn polyamory i'm gonna read you what it says hold on 
I gotta make it smaller so I can see it. It's so small. But like by definition of the words, right, they are very similar. But the 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 words mean very similar things, right? The only difference is polyamory has roots that mm-hmm. discuss love, right? Not non-monogamy is being with someone, right, or partnered, right, of some sort. Mm-hmm. So I under I understand the use of non-monogamy as the umbrella. Okay, like I, it makes sense for words with Latin roots. Do I think? So are you calling this some white ass shit? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do tell. It's just white <laughs> nonsense, right? Like monogamy as a as a relationship idea is a and and force, right? Is a colonial practice. Woo, do tell. It's a way of owning it's a way of owning women. Wow. Yeah, real. Real life. But right, like polygamy is another way of owning women that include owning lots of women, right? Right. Um, there are lots of structures that involve owning women, right? So many of relationship structures are right, which is why it's so hard to create re- relationships that are fulfilling because there aren't a lot of examples of what that's supposed to look like. And the truth, we have it here. You heard it first. <laughs> so, like, just thinking of maybe, I and maybe it's because I don't have the words in English that are effective, right? I'll accept that I don't have the words, and the words close enough some combination of flipping through non-monogamy and, and polyamory to describe my relationship structures. Okay. So. I'll accept that as a fault of, of the language that I use, right? Uh-huh. So if you had to describe it, how how would you describe it? What would you say to someone who was interested in hanging out with you like how would you talk about your current relationship structure and the ways in which you engage with new strangers i i also strangers i don't i don't know people that you previously know people are strangers (laughs) (laughs) um it depends on the needs and wants of the person who i am quote hanging out with quote Okay. Mm-hmm. So does that apply across any person? Like how for those who are new to this like non-monogamous like polyamorous situation mm-hmm. how would you talk about like even establishing those kinds of boundaries? Can you explain more? Like, okay, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Great. But what if that person, this is the first time that they're experiencing polyamory, quote, non-monogamy, quote, unquote. Oh, um, with me, with someone else, with, and then what, what is my relationship with this person? Because also that deal feels like, what do, how can I support them, right? If I'm just like, let's talk about your feelings. <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> how can so I like, support yeah, let's you? Let's talk about why that's difficult, right? 
monogamy is really hard. Monogamy says you're supposed to do way too many things. Monogamy is hard for a whole bunch of reasons. Right? One of the things that I have found really hard in monogamy is the idea of what you're supposed to give and receive from a partner. Right? Mm -hmm. The classic structures of monogamy um, say that you're supposed to give and receive all things. Mm -hmm. Your 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 partner is supposed to provide all of the fulfillment in your life, right? Watch a Tyler Perry movie. She'll always have right the job, right? Her house, right? Her money in order. But damn, the one she she doesn't have is a man. Every time she's got it all, right? The corner office, this dope ass car. Not one bit of love. Her life is incomplete. <laughs> Without this. That's the definition of a rom-com. <laughs> I mean, that is basically a rom-com. Mm-hmm. That's name a rom-com. That's the definition of a rom-com. Right. And I think that's maybe the, like, issue with monogamy and the ways in which, like, the queer community plays out these really heteronormative tropes inside of monogamy. And so I'm always curious about whether people identify as polyamorous or non-monogamous because they're trying to move away from this trope or if it's like they're actually interested in dating multiple people. Yeah. Hmm. That's really hard. I think one thing that I that I have found really frustrating talking about my relationship structures with people is that like there's this idea that that there is a a hierarchy right and then i'm like no you're still just you're just still giving into things that monogamy tells you right that some person gives more than than others right instead of like maybe my capacity to support other people right or my my physical distance right or emotional distance or connection right may differ right and that's really hard that's a hard thing to grasp right because there is no relationship structure that's not true there are so few relationship structures um, and examples that can give what a healthy needs and assessments are from partners, right? Mm-hmm. From a, from even also like a, a single partner, right? So like if you're able to recognize like what what things you show up for, right, and what what things someone else can show up for with you, right, are in your in your relationships, right? Then you can you can set up so many ways of care that you can give but also can receive that monogamy doesn't doesn't set you up successfully to to have right and this isn't like monogamy isn't isn't the way right it's totally a relationship structure that works for people and people have figured out how successfully right to to have a supportive healthy loving relationship mm-hmm. right? whatever type of relationship that is there is just the what I don't care for in monogamy is the, the idea that someone has to be all for you, mm-hmm. and thus you cannot give to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, like some of the silly things, right? Like that you can't find other people attractive, right? And this is again not true for all monogamy, right? You can't find other people attractive, as if somehow. You have found one person and people and humans stopped being attractive. My pearls. Impossible. <laughs> it's not, it's just not going to happen. 
people are going to continue to be attractive because people are attractive. The facts. The 100% facts. Mm -hmm. If you find humans attractive, then you will find other humans attractive. That part. That's it. That's how it goes. The idea that, that it is an act of dislike in someone to find someone else attractive just, like, never made sense. Because yeah. because I like you and I also find someone else attractive does not mean that I somehow less like you. Yeah. Right? I can like multiple things at the same time. Yeah. It's not like uh, it's not like a, a, a point A and B scale, right? Mm-hmm. Where if I move closer to a B for attraction that somehow takes away my attraction for like point A. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also I just want to like presence that not everyone works in like this way. There are mm-hmm. people that the truth of the matter is there are some people who are not interested in like sexual relationships with anyone. There are people that are inter- not interested in connection in whatever way connection is defined by you with other folks. Like, and I also want to say that like I want to. S- swing us back to like the amount of like centering your own self that polyamory non-monogamy whatever the fuck we're calling it at the moment allows for you to really like define your own boundaries whereas in traditional monogamous relationships your boundaries are defined by the other person it's a lot about compromise a lot about like how are you creating a shape that is outside of yourself and also like in conjunction with this other person, instead of like really building a world that feels good for you, really building a world that like honors your whole person. And that's not to say that monogamous folks don't have these whole last relationships. I'm sure that they do. I've met several monogamous folks who are like, but I'm happy here. And I think some people just work that way. But I think that for me, polyamory has been uh, an interesting moment where I can really like acknowledge lots of aspects of myself within other people without feeling like I'm supposed to find all of my answers in this one person. Hmm. That's it. That, I don't know if none of that. So long to, that takes so long to learn. Hmm. And I think the the other side of that is hard to learn, right? The Something that, that I, I struggle with in my is that when you are with one person, right, that jealousy and um, ownership of body are acceptable feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and that learning and taking steps and strive to like showing up in what feels awesome to whoever you're with, right, is perfectly acceptable behavior. Mm-hmm. I was like, what the what? Blew my whole brain. And that's not, that is not how I have understood, seen, or experienced monogamy to happen. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, agreed. I think that monogamy has been like a container that just like perpetuates like my body, sexuality exploration being owned by another person regardless of the fact that I identify as queer like 
it hasn't mattered for a really long time until I was like, I don't actually want to like live within whatever this structure is. And I was like, let me figure something else out. So yeah, that's my thought about that. I don't even know if that's a whole thought. That's a whole thought because you said it. Great. Whole thoughts. I guess at the end of the day, what are the ways in which you find magic in polyamory, right? Like what has given you that, Mm -hmm. that wonder that like, yeah, that alignment, that feeling really in tune with your own self. Two aspects of what where I find magic and polyamory is one my my capacity to love like that's that's an amazing experience to to witness and be a part of right this um, boundless expansion of like love and who and who's receiving love and care because I'm a gift giver again so I'm like how many gifts can I give. I could give them to all the peoples. Oh my gosh, this is the dream, right? Um, but wanting to to do that and being able to do that is, is an amazing thing to see and witness. And then equally to to witness the care that can be reciprocated from people, right? It's amazing, right? To have a have multiple types and, and accesses of care and support is a, is a magical thing to see yeah heard for you i don't know i um i don't know honestly right now today polyamory feels like more trouble than it's worth but how come most of that is because not everyone is my partners. <laughs> I have a really high fucking bar. And I think part of that is because my partners did a great job of setting that bar for me. And so it feels, it feels daunting to like weed through the, sh- it, it just feels daunting right now. And that's just, maybe it's because, you know, I'm, T minus 10 days from bleeding. Maybe it's because I haven't masturbated enough this week. Who knows? I have no idea. But right now, it just feels... Those feelings are also valid. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Right now, it feels exhausting. Uh, But also, I've only been with a puppy for a week. So maybe (laughs) I'm also puppy exhausted. Like, I don't know. But I, I think over the past you know few few years i've really appreciated uh being able to like show up as my whole self and for that to be like really accepted and loved and like held really well um and i think my partners do a really great job of holding me in that space Whereas there are lots of moments when I don't, I don't find that like sweet space. Mm-hmm. And so I think for me, it's been about like rediscovering sweetness. And I think my partners have really ushered in 
a connection to Oshun in a way that I didn't think that I was ever going to encounter because sweetness felt really far from me for a really long time. And so, yeah, I don't know. I'm just grateful. I'm just grateful, I think, for that. Yeah. Also, plus two points. My yes. blushed. I did not blush. I am really stoked to hear you talk about cute things. Oh my gosh. I'm going to write this day down. Oh my God. Get out of here. <laughs> if this podcast makes it out, know that I wrote it down. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I want to talk about turning all of that love inward. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it's like, uh, you know, like a lot of ways that, that where I've found magic and polyamory is being able to express and feel um, lots of love and lots of care. Uh, and for a Cultivate today, I wanted to talk about turning some of that care inward and towards, towards yourself, right? Towards the body and talk about a white bath. Yeah. See that transition? See that? That was a fucking gorgeous transition. (laughs) Yes. Pew! Yes. Amazing. (laughs) Um, So what do you, for someone who doesn't know anything about a white bath, what would you, what the fuck is a white bath? I would, I'm I'm actually going to turn this one back to you since you have more white baths than I do. Wait. Nope. (laughs) Um, I think, uh, white baths for me are a reset, um, and have often been a reset for me. Um, I, so color in general inside of a bath is going to like carry some sort of connotation depending on the way that you relate to that color. For me, a white bath is like uh, cleaning a slate. It's like, uh, white baths often smell like Florida water for me, which is really like a deep clean out, like an ancestral clean out that isn't, is non-negotiable. And so when I get in a white bath, it's a clearing that is non-negotiable and is often a reset on, on a whiteboard for me. It's like erasing everything that I have written, drawn, created in order to like reset because I really need to do some other work and I need to start from a clean drawing board. And a lot of times I won't take a white bath, but you know, once every new moon or so, just cause it's really hard to, to clean out more often than that. So I think for me, it's really like taking an eraser to, to the board and saying, I, I need to start over and rebuild and, and recreate and re envision a thing. Okay. I think for me, my white baths are spaces of, yes, spaces of cleansing, but spaces to, spaces to just sort of give light to what is next, right? It's really a, a meditative bath for me. Not like absence or all color things, like none of like the actual like white theory things connected with white, but like a, a space to say, okay, Let's sink into just space, right? And space to 
begin to feel when I need to to restart or if I'm stuck in something and I need a new path. It's what I often use a white bath for. What goes into a white bath then? Whoa. Um, so I actually got this uh, recipe from my therapist who is also like an Ifa priest. I mean, it's just a magical human in, in general and was like, these are some things that you can add. And so I'm going to give you this recipe. And also I want you to sit at your ancestor altar and like, talk to your your folk about what a white bath means for you. Um, for me, a white bath is water. Uh, I then cut the water and ask for it to hold the elements. Uh, the next thing I add is a salt. Uh, it can be a sea salt or an Epsom salt or a combination of the two, depending on where I am in the world at that given time. Uh, so a salt and then after the salt, I'm adding um, Florida water. I'm also adding um, some sort of like coconut milk. Um, I personally don't use animal milk because it smells gross. So, I mean, you could use whatever you want in your bath. But I personally use coconut. Also, coconut is a really like stripping and cleansing agent. Um, and so I use coconut milk because that assists with that. Um, and then I may drop like a like little like half dollar size um, of coconut oil into the bath. And then I'll drop like a white bath bomb into it, which is basically just Epsom salt, some sort of like coconut more likely than not. Um, and it, it's literally white. Um, and sometimes I'll drop like white flowers in if I have had like time to go and get white flowers. But, um, my last white bath, I actually used, uh, rose petals that have been on my ocean altar for a really long time. Cause I needed that extra like dose of sweetness. Um, and then I'll also like drizzle a little honey on top. Um, cause as I cleanse, I really like to be in a, in a sweet cocoon. So yeah. That's that's my recipe. Oh, ACV. Can't forget. Never forget the ACV. ACV is apple cider vinegar for those of you who are like, what the fuck is that? Um, that also goes in after I cut the water, add the salt, ACV, the rest of the steps. Nice. So I hope y'all wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> so you're supposed to take notes. I actually, this is one of the few things I outsource. So, no, I'd be making all my stuff forever, right? Trying to figure out how I can make pasta by hand since people did it once or what's that thing? People made it before it was made with machines so I can figure out how to make it. I don't own a, I didn't own a can opener for forever because what are cans? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> what are cans with fucking metal tops? I can open it with something else, right? Um, I'll use a hammer instead. Or just never buy things in cans. Um, uh, which is unsustainable. Uh, actually, that's not true. It's sort of sustainable. It was unsustainable as a poor college student. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really should have just paid that $2 and got a fucking can opener instead of using a hammer. To and also, whatever. But, you know, now I know how to open a can with a I outsource my white bath uh, and I use the herbivore coconut oil. Um, 
I want to say bath soak. Yes, the coconut milk bath soap from Vermivore. Um, it's like a vegan face bath body company. And they make great products. And I, I really, I use that, that bath soap because it's, it's really just uh, dehydrated coconut milk. Linsen salt and it's, uh, it's a really, it's really, really great. It makes a beautiful bath. But then I'll add uh, things I have on my own, right? Like um, I have dry elderflower. So I'll either steep some elderflower and add that or add um, elderflower to it. It's just like a nice connection and like mental expansion herb. Maybe a more like Epsom salt or sea salt. And then, yeah. Yeah, so uh, my bath is... Really stoked to get this next full moon and get in this bath. A word, okay? <laughs> A word. We gonna pull this tarot? Yep. Is it happening? It is. Okay. Um, Why gotta be white? It just is. Okay. It just is. Think about the color and not the race. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many cards are you pulling? Two. Three cards? Oh my gosh. I think it's gonna do three it. card pull of the season. <laughs> I know. It's happening. Wow. Okay. Sure. Oh my What a fun set of cards that I haven't seen. Oh man. Okay. Well, you're right. Rules of the podcast is nose goes. So. <laughs> Uh, today I pulled three cards from the Frederick Oracle deck. I pulled as the guide, play, versatility, uh, as the nail card, and the magi as the action. Looking at these cards, I'm thinking about the AI, right? So, play, uh, a little self-explanatory, but, uh, this card is depicted with dolphins, one of the few mammals that express play also as adults, right? Instead of just like as as young right animals, right? So we'll see like lots of young animals that play to learn skills, but dolphins continue to play throughout their whole uh, life cycle. Right? So how can you cultivate joy? What actions does play provide in spaces of learning? Where have you often given up play right so how can play be the guide in versatility right so what to know thinking about versatility not just in like flexibility or how you can move to be open right but versatility in how things open up for you how you can read into and sort of the openness to what is next what i I really think of in versatility thinking to be ready, open, and flexible instead of malleable. And last, uh, the Magi, this card is so much in all the time. <laughs> but the the action, this card asks more of a engagement with, or I should say openness with the messages you're receiving, right? And that you can also control the outcome. So as a whole, right, these three cards, having 
joy lead in in a reflection of where you can be flexible, where you can be open, and where you can lead with intentional listening. Yeah, come on, intentional listening during the Mercury retrograde. <laughs> I mean, it's not what you want to do during retrograde, but that's what we're gonna be. That's what we're gonna be. <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, for this, I am actually pulling from the Shrine of the Black Medusa Tarot. Um, and I pulled two knights and an eight. Uh, so I want to talk about the knights and the way that they interact with one another. I pulled the Knight of Discs, um, which is about earth and resources, and the Knight of Swords, which is all about like mental energy and air. Um, both of which are, um, talking about the way in which we engage caution, the way in which we engage uh, the journey that we're about to set on um, and how it is, uh, how are we preparing for the journey that we're about to take? And also like, how are we loving on the community that we're about to leave in order to move through this journey? And so I think a lot of that is really indicative in the eight of wands that, I pulled when thinking about the eight of wands, it's all about like communication. And so I want to challenge and ask all of you out there, how are you communicating uh, your journey to those that love you and to those who hold space for you? And also how are you communicating your journey? Like very clearly, very honestly to those who give you resources. Like, and I think a lot of, well, I'm going to just, say that there are uh, likely some folks who are working on like career transitions. And so how are you communicating what you want to the universe? And also like, how are you allying on this card in particular, the Knight of Discs, there's this big ass German shepherd, like hanging out. <laughs> and I just, I, I pause it. How are you treating your allies? How are you activating your allies in a way that aligns with your highest self so that you can move forward and activate your magic in a way that lends itself towards where you want to be? Um, this is a great time to reassess, rearrange, and prepare for the journey that you're about to be on. Now, Shane, let it be so with ease and grace. <laughs> I mean, to the best of our abilities. <laughs> to the best of your ability, you know? You know what this is, Yuni? Episode four. Episode four of another episode. Which which are you? <laughs> you can find which which are you on all of the podcasts spaces of gathering podcasts <laughs> find us on instagram at underscore which which are you where you can send us your your chart send no! us but most of all you can send us news and we'll appreciate them publicly in this podcast and personally and go wow just like that if you're like dang I wish I could hear this podcast again when can I hear it again? Don't we? We're put out. We put out new episodes every other Sunday. So if this is Sunday and this podcast is new, you'll hold on to next Sunday with care. And bam, we'll be back the following Sunday. Boom. Yes. 
this has been Book Future You. We adore you all. Please send us nudes. Send us your charts. Send us your sun, moon, rising via booze. We will tell you about yourself. Read your tea and all the things. You can catch both Maisha and yeah uh you can catch both maisha and i next week on halloween we're doing uh nothing because it's halloween but you can catch us that friday friday (laughs) (laughs) october 20 oh yeah october October 30th 30th damn (laughs) You can catch me on Maisha teaching language and libation October 30th, where we pair tarot cards and booze or mocktails and we write together and we drink together. So come join the class. You can register via our Instagram. Holla. Come kick it with us. Also Thursday, I'm teaching a class on the shadow and writing your shadow. So come holla. Can I go to that? Yeah, you can go to that. You can find us on, oh, you can find me on Poetry Society ny.org forward slash milk workshops and come through. It's also on my Instagram at IR Sims Holla. Uh, there's a link. Come register, come hang out and write about your shadow. I love it. Also, boom, episode number four. We out here. <laughs>